Did you enjoy that lunch? I mean breakfast? I'm, I'm assuming that you really did and that you're going to have a hard time staying awake. Uh, that's a nice way of saying I have too much material to preach in one message today. And I looked and I've slotted myself to speak next week, so we're going we're gonna to stretch this out over two weeks. Uh, I, am, I am prepared. I have my notes here, but I'm not going to use them too much to, uh, tonight because I'm going to sh- save some of this for next week about the day of the Lord. What I would like to do as we finish up, oh, start, start finishing up Ob- Obadiah, I'd like to go verse by verse because if I follow my notes, I won't make a kind of a commentary. And we need to, we need to hear what's going on here. We're reading uh, an ancient prophecy of a man that we know nothing about. <laughs> if it bothers you that you don't know much about Obadiah, don't worry about it. He was just a faithful prophet of God. We know his name means servant of Jehovah or worshiper of, of, of Jehovah. I was researching that um, rabbinic tradition holds that Obadiah was from Edom, converted to Judaism, and that's why God used him to bring this warning. I, I have no evidence that's true. The fact that it's part of rabbinic tradition makes it very suspect to me because we don't have it anywhere else in the word of God. We're talking about an ancient people that most of history has forgotten when we speak about the Edomites. Uh, Before we started this series, you might say, I didn't know much about the the Edomites. They were not a major people. They lived in a remote region south of the Seer seer and and of the Dead Sea all the way down to the Gulf of Aqaba, a lot of desert territory. We're talking about a a piece of land that's about 100 miles long by 40 miles wide. Uh, The only significance to all of this is that they were Judah's neighbors and what they had done to Judah over the years. Uh, They were people that took every opportunity to show contempt to the people of God, to try to take advantage of that. So we have studied up through uh, verse 14, and uh, to kind of set the stage for next week, I'd like us to read verses 15 through 21. I'll make kind of a running commentary along the way, and then we'll close in a word of prayer, and then I will yield the balance of my time for next Sunday. Okay, Verse 15, For the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as those who had never been. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau, stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau 
those of Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sherephad shall possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. How many times did you count? I didn't, but I've got them marked. I've got them highlighted in my Bible that in that Ezekiel passage that Kevin wrote, did you read God say, I will, I will over and over. That's, that's a good assignment. Go back and everywhere in that, that chapter, God says, I'm going to do it. Uh, America's not going to help you. You're not going to do it yourself. I will cleanse you. I will scatter the enemies. I will bring this to pass. I will make the desert to, to bloom. Now let's go back to our text. Let's, I read through it. Now let's go back to verse 15. For the day of the Lord is near. This is God intervening to both punish and reward. When we read through this just a second ago, did you hear God say, this is what I'm going to uh, do to the, the people of Edom, but the house of Jacob, the house of Joseph, I'm going to bless them. So the day of the Lord that he speaks of is going to have both reward and, and punishment and judgment. And upon all the nations, this is a turning point where we go from, hey, Edom, here's what you expect. Here's what you did. Here's what you did. I took note of when you did this to my people. But now he turns and he says to all the nations, it expands here. It has a universal impact. He says, as you have done, it shall be done to you. You know what? When God acts, the judgment always fits the crime. Amen? Exodus 21, 24 talks about an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand. Uh, they were to be very exact and careful in the, in the carrying out of judgment in the Old Testament. And God says, in the day of the Lord, I'm going to be measured, but uh, I'm not going to give them too little, and I'm not going to give them too much. It'll seem like too much. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain. Sometimes we read in God's word about the, the cup of his fury, he says. The cup of mine fury, Psalm 75, verse 8. So all the nations shall drink continually. The Hebrew would have the idea of wave after wave. The judgment that will come upon you, Edom, is just going to be one after another. They shall drink and swallow. Lamentations chapter 4. If you want to turn there, we're going to look at a couple passages along the way. As we, Lamentations 4 talks about, about this judgment. Let's read verses uh, 21 and 22, I think it is. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz, because you also, the, 
also the cup shall pass. You shall become drunk and strip yourself bare. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer. But your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will punish. He will uncover your sins. They shall drink and swallow. There's no national entities here. They, they shall be as if they've never been. He says, Edom, it's like you got your record cleaned. You're, you're wiped right off the map. You're right off the, the, the pages of history. But in, but in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape. You notice this kind of what we would sometimes call today a reversal of fortunes. Edom, you seem to be the predator you seem to come along on the back of, of all these enemies against Israel and, and were opportunists and jumped on them. You know what? They're going to be people who do that to you. And Israel, for a good period of time, in my judgment, you became victims. And you are going to be the victors. What mighty, wonderful thing about Israel brought that on? Nothing. Just that he's their God. That's mercy. God says, my promise to you, my promises and, and, and prophecies to you are all intact. The house of Jacob shall become a fire. He says, there's going to be this proactive escape. Back in, I skipped this in verse 17 where he says, there shall be an escape. It shall be holy. Turn back just a couple pages to the left to Amos chapter 9 and verse 8. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. Do you hear that? Pick up on that terminology. I will not utterly destroy. I'm going to judge you thoroughly. And you're going to think that I've wiped you out. And the nations are going to count you out, but you will survive. However, Edom, there will be no survivor. Complete reversal of fortunes. The house of, you notice the terminology in verse 18, the house of Jacob, the house of Joseph. The house of Joseph are those ten northern tribes, okay? He's talking about the entity of, of Israel and the house of Esau, Esau shall become stubble. You will become like the flame. Israel and, 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 and Judah, you will be the weapon. You will be the knife. You will be the battle axe. You will be the, the means by which I, I judge some of these nations. And, and Esau, you will be, will you, what will you be? Oh, stubble. Not too impressive. In that last confederacy, Zechariah 12 and 14, he, he's saying that they will be destroyed. Now, I thought you said, well, I thought you said they were already destroyed. I think I want to take the time to show this next week. Is reference in some places in the Bible to Edom, does it mean that Edom's going to survive? There is a region that we could still say that area still looks like Edom. 
people who live in it, maybe you might call Edomites, they're Edomites by geography, but not by bloodline, because those that were related, those who were Edomites related to Esau have been wiped out. I'll go into this more thoroughly next week, but the, the passages that we read in Isaiah and Jeremiah that speak of a future wiping out of Edom, I think we're speaking representatively of the nations of the earth in Edom and that they will be judged. Say, so you lost me. Wake back up. All right, we're going to press on here. They shall, shall burn them and consume them. That's what you tried to do to the people of Israel. You thought they were stubble. You tried to, to, to put the, your foot on their throat and choke out their last breath. And you know what? I've got to, they're going to survive because I will do it. Like, like in Ezekiel, I will do it. I will do it. I will bring them out. And where I had him close off, it wasn't the end of the chapter, but it were, where God says, I will do it. And he says, Esau, you thought you were, you had the upper hand and you will be like stubble that gets wiped out. And there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau. He says, they, why is that? Because they didn't listen. God warned them. God said, I've set my favor on Jacob in this line. And the people of Edom said, That's not, that doesn't mean anything to us. When you say that you will give them this land, that you will bless them, that you will be their God, that isn't, that's not final for us. Every time that Edom and the Edomites in any generation decided, we're going we're gonna to wipe out these neighbors. Or they weren't just neighbors, they were what? They were relatives, they were cousins. And every time they did that, it was not just we're jealous of you. We hate you. We despise what God has promised to you. We hate God. And so the reason God says there will be no survivors because my word was not final for you. What would it have been like? Can we just imagine? What would it have been like for the Edomites and that people if they had said, you know, through Esau... We, we didn't get God's first best. God put his favor. Jacob loved. Esau hated. But you know what? We're going to honor Israel every chance we get. Israel, when you go to battle, whatever it costs us, we've got your back. We, we're on your side. I, I just can't imagine how things would be different. But Edom said, we're going to be, we put ourselves as the enemy of God. And then he says, those of the Negev, he, he, he says, they will never be ruined. He goes into this description of the, what the borders are going to be. And I'll just say that not since David, or really more technically Solomon, has Israel, because after David, Solomon came and extended the borders even wider, didn't he? And ever since then, there's been a chewing down of the borders, and they've got this little strip of land that they're hanging on to. You look at your Bible maps, what Israel used to be is bigger than it is now. And God says, these that have, they're saying, this is our land, I'm going to give it back to you. 
and he, you, can, you can map this out on your, on your map, but saviors shall go up to Mount Zion. Who are these judges? Who are these deliverers, these saviors? I think he's saying those who are, are returned exiles, they're going to help you govern in what is going to be the capital of the world. Again, to Edom that they hear, God's going to wipe you out. You know what is the other ultimate thumb in the eye? And God says, not only am I going to preserve Israel, Israel have a future. You won't, they will. But they're going to be the capital of the world. And I'm going to take these people that are exiled and I'm going to bring them back in and they will be like the, the rulers of that land. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. What kind of kingdom are we talking about? I, I heard it this week. I read it in a letter this week. You know, reference to the church is the kingdom. This is a global kingdom. You have to look at kingdom in the sense of what the, the prophets said and what Israel expected. They didn't expect just the church or some spiritual kingdom. It was going to be where the Lion lies down with the lamb. It's going to be Israel having extended borders. Israel, Jews being allowed to, to help rule in their own land. And this being the capital of the world. It is the kingdom of the Lord. God is the undisputed heavyweight. God says there are no challengers. And so he's not just speaking of Edom, who has been wiped out. And I told you how that kind of came in phases. Herod the Edomian, you know, came in phases. In our text, when it says they shall drink continually, it was this wave after wave until they, they're gone. You don't meet an Edomite today. But God has got a promise for his people. and His promise is still intact. And we can rejoice and say, the kingdom is the Lord's. And we should be saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Israel's hope is not the United States. I, like you, I get frustrated and my current president at one point says, we stand with Israel and then tells Israel, you got to do this. And, and, and they, they go back and forth. They, they waft to and fro <laughs> because of political opinion. You got people on both sides of that. I can't imagine being a Democrat right now, catching it from both sides. But Israel's best friend is not the United States. And I guarantee you, and, and if you had said 50 years ago, you know what, the United States is going to turn on Israel and, and uh, join the, the Arab cause, you would have had a fight on your hands. We are on the verge of that. In our lifetime, we're about to see where we are no friend of Israel's. However, God is. The hope is not some political entity. And they will look upon him whom they have pierced. 
and they will call his name and he will come and he will deliver and he will restore and he will all these things that happened in the millennium are going to point to the greatness of God there has to be a repentance and God will do it well Lord willing if the rapture doesn't come for if, if the rapture comes then meet me on the corner of Pearly Gate and Golden Street and we will finish this sermon, okay? Um, but uh, let's, that, uh, that reference in, in verse 15 is where we'll come back where he says the day of the Lord. We'll pick that up and talk about what the day of the Lord means and uh, part of the reasons I, I couldn't get through this message in, in one time is because in, as I'm trying to go through the Bible reading in a year, I get to Ezekiel and Isaiah 11, and everywhere I go, I, every time I find a reference to Edom, I have to go back and add it to my notes. I, I hadn't seen that before. That's good. That helps me understand what's going on in Obadiah a little bit more. Next week, rather than doing a verse-by-verse commentary, we're going to uh, kind of come back and look at this as a whole. Two things we'll do. We'll look at this expression, the day of the Lord, and... We will look at three practical lessons from the book of Obadiah, okay? And then we'll be done. John Taylor, would you come dismiss us in a word of prayer?